The minute we say, I'm not responsible, response-able, the ability to respond, it's not helpful. So what's really helpful is for us to say, well, there's no way I'm not responsible for a little bit of this, so I'm going to take responsibility for the part that I played a role in, and that way we can move forward. Commit to ownership. Do not be a person that participates in blame, especially in these relationships that determine the vitality and trajectory of your business. It's not helpful. Well, hey there. If we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Today is going to be a very actionable episode because today we're going to focus on seven practices, and those seven practices are all dedicated towards one very um, specific and particular outcome. It's seven practices for a healthy work relationship. And the reason why I felt it was reasonable and even necessary to devote an entire episode to this topic is because of something that I've observed from myself and our business, that I've observed in other businesses, and that I've seen play out in multiple arenas, both experientially and anecdotally. And it's just the reality that so often a leader can say this, as goes this relationship, so goes the business. Or maybe more broadly, as goes these relationships, so goes the business. Have you seen this play out? Have you observed this? My bet is that if you're a business leader or a business owner, you have. I've certainly seen it play out for myself, that there are particular, specific relationships that if they are together, if they are unified, and if they are healthy, so often the business is together, unified, and healthy. Now, that's not to say necessarily that everything is up to the and to the right in the business just because this relationship is good, but specifically our cultural unity and our ability to scale any challenges and solve any problems that may arise is radically increased because this relationship is healthy. And then the converse is also true. If this specific relationship is toxic, if it's disunified, if there's unresolved disagreements, if there's unhealthy conflict, well, then a lot of times the business goes the same way. It's toxic, it's disunified, there's division, and the thing ultimately falls apart. And so what I've seen is that there are some high-yield relationships within businesses that it would be really wise for you as a leader to make sure you are being hyper-intentional about maintaining the health of. And and here's what I kind of use to inform this content. The first thing that I looked at is my relationship with our COO and integrator, Zach Estes. So often we evaluate our working relationship and the health of our working relationship on a weekly basis using the red, yellow, green method because it's one of our success statements on both of our set of role success statements is my relationship with the integrator is healthy, collaborative, and trustworthy. And Zach's success statement is that his relationship with the visionary CEO, which is me, is healthy, collaborative, and trustworthy. And we're red, yellow, greening that every single week. And what I've seen so often is that if that is green, so often the team and the business is green in most areas. The minute that starts to drift towards yellow, or thankfully we've really hardly ever experienced this, but red, well, then you start to see that show up in other areas in the business. And so 
as goes that relationship, so goes the business. I have seen that play out. I literally have spreadsheets that show how that principle rings true. So I've observed it in my relationship with Zach. And that's where I first saw this. And that's why I've seen the value of the practices I'm about to share with you. But then I've also seen it to a different degree in some ways with my relationship with our other team members. And sometimes I can see how, man, if my relationship with a specific team member is solid, if it's green, if it's collaborative, trustworthy, and healthy, then a lot of times their area is really green and really solid. But if there's ever division or distrust or any things that are off or funky or weird, well, then a lot of times you'll see that show up in success statements and evaluation. So I've observed it in my relationship with Zach. I've I've observed it in my relationship with our other team members on our team. I've also observed it in other leaders that I've seen who have outrageously healthy relationships with the people that they work with. And I work with so many CEOs, COOs, and executives who are running, I mean, multi-million dollar, sometimes hundred million dollar organizations. And I've literally seen how this hundred million dollar enterprise, a lot of times it's health and unity and cultural vitality follows the course of some key relationships at the top. And I've seen how the leaders who invest in the health of those relationships and guard it and cultivate it, well, they often win uh, as a result, especially over the long term. But I've also seen how they've got some practices in place. And so that's what I want to share with you today. And then there's one other area that I've really focused on where I've learned about why this is so important and how to make sure we're focusing on it is I've learned about the value and practices of healthy relationships by observing and to a lesser degree, thankfully, participating in uh, toxic relationships. I have been a part of in previous career opportunities and things like that, toxic working relationships that were the furthest thing from healthy. And I've seen how, man, as goes the relationship, so goes the business and specifically so goes the specific team. But I've also seen it play out in businesses from around the country, from all industries, that, man, there's some key relationships at the top, specifically leadership relationships that when they become toxic, man, no good. But there's practices we can do to guard against toxicity. Now, My challenge to you in listening to this episode is to think about what is the relationship or what are the relationships that that principle uniquely applies to? What are the relationships that you would say, man, as goes this relationship, so goes the business or as goes this relationship, so goes the team as a general rule. Of course, it's not all the time true, but as a general rule, who are the people that you would say that, man, when my relationship with that person is healthy, a lot of times things surrounding that relationship are also healthy. I want you to think about who that is. And then I would challenge you to share this podcast specifically with that person because these practices are things that you can collaborate with and work on together to make sure you are guarding and cultivating and stewarding the relationship that you've been given because that will be an investment in the health of that relationship and therefore the health of your business. So we're going to walk through seven practices And what's beautiful about these seven practices, I I promise you, I didn't set out to do this, is they all start with C. So so we're going to walk through them one at a time. Number one, codify common ground. We've already hit this a bunch on this podcast, and there's previous episodes that you can go to and listen to, but there's three questions your business needs to be able to answer consistently, and specifically, this relationship, whatever this relationship is, has to be able to agree upon. Why do we exist? What do we stand for? Where are we going? 
Again, we have to be able to agree upon why do we exist? That's our mission statement. What do we stand for? Those are our core values. And where are we going? That's our vision charter that is brought into summation by a vision statement qualitatively and quantitatively. So we need to be able to agree on our answer to those three questions. And and here's why this is so important is because any working relationship that is going to have to make decisions, that is going to have to move forward, that is going to have to operate in separate lanes towards a desired aim. Well, one of the things that you got to understand is that Anytime you're moving forward, there's going to be friction. And anytime there's friction, one of the things that you've got to have to be able to refer to and lean on and come back to is common ground. Anytime you are engaging in disagreement, the most healthy thing you can do within a working relationship is to say, let's not forget what we do agree upon. That's what's so powerful for me and Zach is, man, I know that guy's heart for the mission is, I mean, through and through. He's passionate about it. He believes in it. His his commitment to the core values is just 100% full-on devotion. His belief in the vision of where we're going and the value of where we're going is so strong. It's almost visceral. And so because we have that common ground that we both believe in why do we exist, what do we stand for, and where are we going? and we both believe in the answers that have already been codified to those questions, well, then there are certain things that we already agree upon. And outside of that, we can disagree all day. And we have some of the greatest, most thrilling, most engaging arguments, right? Because the arguments are really just about how. But any healthy negotiation or argument or conflict always occurs in the presence of what can we agree on. And if you haven't already codified that, it's going to be really difficult to make any decisions, to take any action, or certainly to resolve any friction. Number one, codify common ground. Number two, to practice healthy working relationships. The second practice for healthy working relationships is to clarify roles. So often as organizations grow, people that work together don't clarify roles and responsibilities. And therefore, people end up getting either territorial saying you're taking responsibility for things that I think I'm responsible for or that in my lane or things don't get done and people become resentful because no one knows who's supposed to do it. And so it's really crucial that for these working relationships, and I would say every relationship in your business, but you got to start with this one, get really clear on what are the top three to five areas that you need to be winning in your role in order to be successful. Now, Path for Growth, we've talked about this on this podcast before, we call these success statements. And I can't tell you how valuable it is that every single person on our team has success statements because what those do is they help us understand this is my lane, this is your lane, we're not stepping on each other's toes, but we also know what we can hold each other accountable to. And so Zach and I, and this is going to relate to the next point that we have, the next practice, we have a weekly one-on-one meeting where we have a cadence of accountability, red, yellow, greening, the top three to five areas that we need to be winning in our role. We red, yellow, green, or we evaluate our performance within our success statements. And what that does is that guards against me ever becoming resentful about Zach not doing things that he didn't even know I was expecting of him. I see this so often in businesses is leaders are getting really frustrated and angry because they're expecting things they never communicated. You've heard me share this principle before. 
unspoken expectations are front-loaded resentment. And so part of clarifying roles is clarifying what am I expecting of myself? What are you expecting of me? And what are we expecting of each other? Because if we can be clear about what our lane is, I mean, more often than not, within these working relationships, people care. And if you don't think people care, then you need to return to point one and say, okay, let's codify the common ground. Why should we care? And what do we care about? But if you do care, then move to number two and say, okay, we need to say, okay, what's my lane? What's my role? What's my responsibility? Number one, codify common ground. Number two, clarify roles. And the way we would suggest doing that is by using success statements. Number three, create a cadence of communication. Here's where I've seen this play out most clearly. We get to coincide and work with a lot of married couples that own and run businesses together. And in so many ways, that is a very high stakes undertaking, right? Because uh, it's like if things go well, it can be so life-giving. It can be such a blessing. You get to do something that is so meaningful and powerful every single day with the person that you love most in this world. But then on the other side, it's like, man, if business is going bad and your relationship is toxic, it's not just business that's going bad. It's like it can ruin Thanksgiving, right? And so it's kind Kind of this duality of the stakes are outrageously high. And so we've got to make sure we guard and cultivate the health of this. And here's what's so interesting is so often we see that one of the breakdowns that happens with spouses that doesn't lend towards health and actually lends towards toxicity within their working relationship in the business is number one, they either haven't followed point two, which is clarifying the roles. Or the next thing that they often don't do is they don't follow this practice that we're focusing on now, which is creating a cadence of communication. Because here's what so often married couples will tell myself or one of the other coaches on our team is they say, well, no, we don't have a weekly one-on-one meeting, but, but I see them all the time. It's like I eat dinner with them. I go to bed next to them. I see them in the morning. I see them at the office. I see them all the time. So no, we don't have a meeting on the calendar, but we don't need a meeting on the calendar. We got, we see each other all the time. We're always talking. I would encourage you to not follow that path. And the reason why I feel so strongly about this, even though I'm not married, is I've observed so often how just putting a 30-minute or hour meeting on the calendar once a week that is dedicated towards specific items for working on the business and evaluating your performance in your role and your spouse doing the same, I've seen how that can create such health and vitality and boundaries for strong communication and therefore a healthy working relationship. Conversely, I've seen how so often people that think they're talking all the time, maybe one person's talking, but the other person isn't listening. Maybe some things aren't being heard or maybe some things aren't being said because there isn't quite a formal enough space to say it. And so if that's true for married couples, I guarantee you that's true for these absolutely important working relationships. Here's what I've seen play out for my business is I work most closely with Zach, which I've told you, and our one-on-one meeting once a week that we have to evaluate our success statements, evaluate our performance and the core values, and then talk about the most pressing issues that we're working on right now is in valuable. I see consistently the return of 
that one meeting and how the ramifications of that hour just multiply throughout the week, throughout the month, and throughout our business. And so what I would tell you is you can't afford not to create a cadence of communication. And it's actually so valuable that we have another meeting that we do once a week. It's just a phone call. We call it Feedback Friday. And that just gives us the opportunity to provide really direct feedback anytime something's going on that's either good, which we're going to talk about here in just a second, or anytime something that's going on that's negative or funky or weird, we have a spot on the calendar reserved to talk to each other about it. So for these working relationships, recognize health doesn't just happen. It's not like it just shows up one day and then it's there forever. Health doesn't just happen. You got to guard it. And the way that you do that is you communicate about it. And you don't just do that haphazardly. You do it consistently. And the way that we make that happen is a cadence of communication, a meeting that is on the calendar for both people that we commit to. We're going to codify common ground. We're going to clarify rules. We're going to create a cadence of communication. Number four, we're going to call out when it's weird. Uh, This is something that didn't come naturally to me. I am the type of person that, especially uh, early in my career, I would feel that things were weird. Something was off in a relationship or I felt like someone was thinking something that they weren't saying or I felt concerned about something or uh, distrusting about something or something felt off in my spirit about what was going on and I wouldn't say anything. And here's what I've learned is that was a disservice to myself, but it was also a disservice to the person that I was in the relationship because when you feel like something is weird, it's not like when you just decide not to say something, that feeling goes away. No, what I've learned is that feeling almost always transferred into an assumption because I don't just live with things feeling weird. I find resolution on those things. Whether or not those resolutions are right who knows, but I find resolution. And, and if, unless I actually address it with the person, the resolution that I find is an assumption. And, and so I think to myself, oh, they made that decision because of this, or, oh, they don't like that I made this decision this way, or, oh, they didn't like my presentation in that moment, or, oh, they're disgruntled with the way we change prices, right? I'm just giving you all these hypothetical examples because I can write great narratives in my head. It turns out I, and probably you are too, are incredible fiction writers. We can make up these incredible narratives in our head and that's unhelpful. What I want you to do is if you're going to have a healthy working relationship with someone, you need to be able to send them a text message or you need to be able to give them a phone call and just say, hey, I feel weird about this. Can we talk about it? my greatest relationships, and I mean this, my greatest relationships in my life, and and this is across the board, socially, this is with the people that I work with, this with my family, my greatest relationships are the people that I can send a text message to that says, hey, something feels a little weird to me. Could we just have a quick 10-minute phone call about it or potentially longer if we need to? And I think that the reason why those are my greatest relationships, those are my richest relationships, is because those are the relationships that have proven consistently that they can bear the weight of reality. Because here's the deal. If two people are building and running a business together, there are going to be times where things feel weird, where things feel clunky, 
And that, that's not good or bad, that just is. Where people had different expectations that weren't met or where people thought something that was going to be done that wasn't done or where people read some body language and the way they read it might be off or where people um, are, were hoping for something that didn't come true or something came true that people weren't hoping for. All of these things are possible realities. And so the health of a relationship is not whether or not that stuff happens. The health of a relationship is can we talk about it? Whenever things are weird, can we say, man, this feels weird. Can we talk about it? I can't tell you the number of times that I've sent that text message to Zach. And still, whenever I do this, I'm like, oh gosh, this feels awful. Like, I don't like sending this text message because I don't know how he's going to respond. And I feel weird talking about it. I feel weird that I feel weird, right? And so I send this text and then, man, we have a phone call. And I find more often than not that my assumptions were totally wrong, or I find out that my assumptions were right, and then it's valuable for him and me to talk about them and talk about what's going on. What is healthy? The fact that we're talking about that or, oh, this feels weird, so we're not willing to talk about it. That's not healthy. That's cowardice. And so if you really actually care about the health of this relationship, you have to have the guts and the courage to call out when things feel weird. Now recognize, if you haven't done this for a while, it's probably not going to be a 10-minute conversation. If you haven't done this for a while, it, it is going to be a longer conversation where you start to put everything on the table, but that's the only way you can do it. That's the only way you actually sustainably invest in the health of your working relationship and therefore the health of your business. And I would tell you, depending on how long it's been since you've done this, we've had people approach us before and I've advised people do this before. There might be times where you need a third party mediator to help you winnow through what feels weird and make sure that everything gets on the table. But we got to get to a spot if, if you're going to invest in the health of a working relationship where you can quickly and concisely Call out what feels weird, address it, find resolution on it that's rooted in reality and not your assumptions, and then move forward. Let's not miss that last part, especially because I know that some of you have shared this podcast with the person that you're working with. Remember, our goal is to return to the things that we do agree upon. Why do we exist? What do we stand for? Where are we going? Get to the bottom of what happened that felt weird And then remember, our goal is to move forward. And so there's so much that we have in common. There's this little thing that we feel like we've got disagreement on or we don't understand or that's really confusing. It's not that we are off. It's that that thing is off. So we need to solve for that thing so that, again, we can move forward. There is no room for grudges or bitterness or resentment in healthy working relationships. And to the degree that you are harboring any of that towards someone that you work with, you are hurting your business. And it is your responsibility to make sure you find resolution around that that's rooted in reality in a way that returns the relationship and therefore the business to health. Call out when it's weird. Okay, number five, compliment. Um, gosh, there's so many ways we could take this. Say nice things to each other. And and don't just say nice things to each other that you just made up because you're supposed to say nice things to each other. Say nice things to each other that are actually real. 
I had someone give me the advice one time, and this is just, let's file this under the worst advice I've ever been given is, they said, Alex, as a leader, you want to make sure you're not too liberal with your compliments because you want people to make sure they feel like they're consistently earning them. And if you just say, anytime you see something good happen, if you just say it, well, they're not going to feel like they have to work to impress you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like I, I wish I could have literally just hit the mute button and been like, let's put this in things that we are going to tune out. I just think that is so horribly, dramatically, unbelievably wrong. I love Proverbs 3.27. It says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. When you see people doing something good, when you observe a trait in someone that you really value, when someone accomplishes something, when someone goes above and beyond, when someone produces great work, when someone is exceptionally creative, when someone does something to serve someone else, when someone engages in the values and mission of the business, are you complimenting them? especially this person that you work closely with. But here's what I find with myself. Sometimes the people that I spend the most time with are the people that if I'm not careful, I compliment the least. Because something happens whenever we grow really familiar with people, it's that we become a little bit less intentional. And what I would tell you is that the opposite practice is correct. The closer you start to work with someone, the more deliberate, the more purposeful, the more intentional you need to be about recognizing their strengths, calling out their value, and pointing out specific things that they do that are right. Because no doubt, there's going to be times where if you're going to preserve the health of this relationship, you're going to have to call out things that are wrong. And what kind of leader do you want to be? Do you want to be the leader that everyone associates with? Man, working with that person, all I ever hear about them in terms of feedback is negativity. Or do you want them to say, man, they tell me what's true. And there's two things that are true. There are some things that I need to work on that I need to get better at that's negative. But there's also some things that are positive. And they apply just as much as attention and energy and manpower to recognizing the positive as they do to the negative. Compliment people. Here's the other thing that I want to say on this. It was one of the things that really helped me in my career that I had to learn is I had this idea that if I worked in an organization, which is what I did for most of my career up to starting Path for Growth, that it would be brown nosing or weird to compliment the boss, right? Or, or to go out of my way to, to compliment my leader. And certainly there are ways that that can be brown nosing or sucking up or that can be weird, right? And we want to stay away from those. Most of the time, those things can be figured out or discerned by looking at your motive. Why are you doing this? Are, are you doing this to suck up? Are you doing this to get special attention? Or are you doing this because you saw something that was actually good that you really value? And here's what I had to recognize. Oh, that leader of mine? That person that may be in the public eye, that, that person that I really do admire, they're not just a personality. They're not just a platform. They're not just a leader or a CEO. They're a human being. And what do we know to be true? Human beings need encouragement. What is encouragement? To give courage. Human beings need people to call out whenever they do things that are right, whenever they do things that are good. That type of feedback is invaluable. 
And I know this now from working with leaders for over a decade. So often the soundtrack going on in the leader's head is, I'm not doing enough. I need to be doing more. And you're constantly beating yourself up, right? I'm just talking about myself now, right? Constantly beating yourself up about what you could have done better, what you could do more of, right? And and some of that needs to be worked on by the leader in their own identity shaping time themselves to for them to become healthy and not be rooted too much in their performance. But man, if that's the soundtrack, don't we want to have empathy for those leaders and just say, when I see something good, I'm going to tell them. And so what this often looked like for me is I made a habit of when I see something that's really good, and I'll I'll still do this for people that I worked for in the past, is I'm just going to send them an email or send them a text message. A lot of times it's in private, so that way I could guard myself and make sure that I'm not just doing it to suck up. But, But a lot of times it's in private and just saying, hey, I just want to let you know I saw this and I thought it was so cool, or I really admire this, or I learned a lot from this, or I really appreciated the way you did this. And what I found is that when I treated them like a human being, their response was like a human being. I I can't tell you how many people that I worked for that I would send an encouraging text to that they would reply back and say, this affirmation means so much to me. And here's where I can tell you this is true, is this absolutely plays out for me, right? I, I now know what it's like to own a business and when a team member offers me a specific affirmation via text or via Slack or something like that, my response is not, why are they sucking up to me? They're just trying to get special attention. I've never felt that way. And that's credit to the team members and their motive in many ways, because I think you could sniff it out if it was wrong. But I just find myself so grateful. And so if you work on a team, recognize that one of the things you can do to preserve the health of a working relationship is you can intentionally compliment 360 degrees. This applies to everyone. Okay, let's move on to number six, commit to ownership. We teach in our ownership mentality team training that we do for teams around the country that an ownership mentality is the decision to be ruthlessly responsible for the things that you can control. And there's, we could do an entire episode where we unpack that definition. Maybe we will someday, but it's the decision to be ruthlessly responsible for the things you can control. It can be really tempting to abdicate responsibility for things we can control. And what fills that vacuum when we abdicate that responsibility is blame. We start pointing fingers. And blame is the enemy of healthy relationship, and it's the seed of toxic relationship. The minute we start absolving ourselves of our responsibility in a given problem, then we are contributing to toxicity in our organization. And and so this really plays out in leadership. What's so cool about me and Zach's working relationship is we often have these responsibility discussions where it's like, well, that's actually on me. Or he says, no, that's on me. Or no, I actually think that's my bad. And I say, no, that's my bad. It's like, we're both grappling for ownership of a specific challenge or problem. And as long as that's real, as long as it's not posturing, I actually think that's really healthy. Because the minute Zach says, oh, that's on me. And I say, you're totally right. I suck as an owner. I suck as a business leader. But the minute that I say, oh, that's on me, and Zach says, oh, you're totally right, well, we're collaborating and building and leading this business together. And so in some ways, well, then he's abdicated his ability to do anything about it. And so he's actually given away some of his responsibility in the business. So it's actually not in his best interest to do that. And that's why, I mean, he's a pretty smart guy. He never does that, right? And so we just have this incredible trusting relationship where we both just say, we're going to commit to owning it. Because we know that if we own it, we can do something about it. It's the degree to which 
which we blame or abdicate that responsibility that, well, now we literally don't have the ability to respond. The minute we say, I'm not responsible, response able, the ability to respond, it's not helpful. So what's really helpful is for us to say, well, there's no way I'm not responsible for a little bit of this. So I'm going to take responsibility for the part that I played a role in. And that way we can move forward. Commit to ownership. Do not be a person that participates in blame, especially in these relationships that determine the vitality and trajectory of your business. It's not helpful. Okay, number seven, cast vision for each other. I've said it on this podcast before, I believe it was in the coaching series, that sometimes we need to borrow someone's belief because effort never sustainably exceeds belief. We know that that's a principle that is true. And what is a principle? Principle is a concisely worded statement of truth that transcends circumstance. So, We know that effort never sustainably exceeds belief. So someone has to believe that a desired future is possible, that the potential version of themselves, of their area, of their leadership, of their team, of their business is possible. And then the degree to which they believe that that thing is possible, they will start to work towards it. But if they don't believe that it's possible, why would they do the work? I'm not saying that they have to believe that it's guaranteed. You you can't believe that a destination is guaranteed, but you got to believe that it's possible. And you've got to believe that what you're doing matters. And so I've seen this play out for me. Sometimes I need to borrow some belief. And sometimes one of the people that I need to borrow that belief from is Zach. Sometimes Zach believes more for me as a person than I do. Sometimes Zach believes more for me as a leader than I do. Sometimes Zach believes more for our business than I do. And so sometimes Zach casts vision for me as the leader of this business on what could be. And I borrow some of his belief. And then because I borrow some of his belief, I'm able to exert outrageous effort towards that thing. And I start to believe it. Conversely, there's times where Zach doesn't see things for himself as a person, as a leader, and as a contributing member of this business. And I have to give him some of my belief and say, man, I I see that so much is possible for you. I see that so much is possible for this business that we're building. I see that so much is possible for you and your health and your personal life. And and I want to cast some vision for you because I want you to borrow some of my belief. So that way you're able to exert outrageous effort towards that reality becoming true. Listen, in this working relationship, one of the things that I want to challenge you to do is to cast a vision for each other. A leader's highest calling is to unleash the best in other people. And what we don't want to do is become so familiar in this relationship that we stop seeing potential in this person that we get to work with. And so I want you to really think about this on the backside of this episode. That person that you're meeting with on a regular basis, that person that this relationship is so valuable to this business and it's so valuable to you personally, it's so valuable to the team that that relationship stays healthy. What is the potential that you see in that person? What is the future that you see for that person? What is the the future for the business as it relates to that person? And I don't just want you to keep that in your head. Why would we keep that a secret? I want you to cast some of that vision and share some of your belief because my bet is they might need to borrow it. And so we need to make sure that one of the practices we're engaging with in this working relationship to keep it healthy is that we're casting vision because vision is a prerequisite for hope. And man, hope isn't the only ingredient, but it's a powerful ingredient for forward motion and certainly for health. 
Okay, let's run through the seven practices. We're going to codify common ground. We're going to clarify our roles. We're going to create a cadence of communication. We're going to call out when it's weird. We're going to compliment and not withhold good from those to whom it is due. We're going to commit to ownership, the decision to be ruthlessly responsible for the things we can control. And we're going to cast vision for each other. So here's what I want you to do out of this episode. I want you to think about who's that relationship, who's that person or persons that you would say, man, as goes that relationship, so goes this business. And then I want you to share this episode with them. And I want you to ask them to listen to it. And, and then I don't want y'all just to listen to it individually in isolation. They're not doing anything with it. I want you to sit down and maybe you're not going to engage in all seven practices, but maybe you're saying, what are two or three of the practices that we can get better at. And I want you to have that meeting and I want you to really focus on it. I want you to commit to an action plan. I want you to put that action plan on paper and together you're going to move forward and you're going to make an investment in the health of your business. Because we say this all the time, growth for the sake of growth is dead. And so we're not about just growing for the sake of growth. We want to practice healthy growth and healthy growth oftentimes starts with healthy relationship. And if there's any relationship that needs to be outrageously healthy, it's this high-yield relationship with the other leaders on your team that are determining the trajectory and vitality of your business. I'm going to challenge you to take that action. And I'll tell you what, if you do take that action, man, you can take a screenshot of this podcast episode and you can tag Path for Growth and myself on Instagram or on LinkedIn. So many of you all already do this, which is so cool. And I'd just love to see that you did it, right? I'd love to see that you took action on it. We might be, have some things that we'll be sending to people that do that. But please tag us. Let us know that you're taking action on it. And if you have any results that come from that, that would be so valuable as well. But know this, uh, I am deeply invested in you guarding the health of this relationship because, man, who do we want to work with? People that we're miserable around, people that we can't be real around, people that we can't say what's true and good and helpful around? Or do we want the type of relationship that we say, man, I just love the people that I work with? And I'm not just saying love as a feeling. I like love as an action the people that I work with. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for the people on your team. Y'all, real quick, before we go, um, there's a couple things I'm going to ask from you. Uh, if you would, please subscribe to this podcast to make sure you get all the content that's coming up. We've got some killer conversations and content episodes coming up. And then also, if you haven't written a review, that's always so helpful for us to see what y'all are thinking and what you want more of and what less of. I read those reviews personally, and that would really help us as a team. And also, it helps get this podcast into the ears of other impact-driven leaders. Finally, if you're interested in more content like this, we send an email every Wednesday called Worth It Wednesday. Uh, we send a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. If you want to get on that email list, you can sign up at pathforgrowth.com or just click the link that's in the show notes. Y'all know this. We're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.